You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I cover the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and I cover the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Locked On Bears is your podcast destination for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And today, we're putting together a game plan for taking on these Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk about sort of the strength of this Buccaneers offense and how to maybe slow down Fitzmagic and some of the concerns there with what they're doing and how this might test this Bears defense in maybe a new way that they haven't really been tested up to this point. And we'll also look at the matchup on the other side of the ball, of course, with a struggling Bears offense looking to potentially get something going here. We'll break down how they can take advantage of a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that clearly has some vulnerability. Let's start with the latest injury news out of Hallis Hall because that'll really, I think, shape some of the key matchups in this game, particularly when it comes to the Bears' offense. Now, the Bears obviously have one more day of practice on Friday, but through Wednesday and Thursday, Prince of Mukamara has not participated. Marcus Cooper has not participated, and then on the offense, Anthony Miller has not participated. Matt Nagy confirmed that Anthony Miller will not need surgery on his shoulder, but NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport tweeted that he is that Miller is expected to be out this week and likely will not play. And that assumption is kind of being held for these two cornerbacks as well, Amukamara and Marcus Cooper. That you know, Marcus Cooper wasn't able to play last week and still not practicing. Mukamara left last week's game with the hamstring injury and has been unable to practice. So that would seem to point to undrafted rookie free agent cornerback Kevin Tolliver making his first career start against one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. And that is, I think, the most critical matchup for the Bears in this game. Tolliver, in theory here, will fill in at that right cornerback spot where Prince Mukamara plays, which would mean the left side of the Buccaneers offense is where he's going to line up. And Tampa Bay, you know, they like to move their receivers around and you won't see the same guy play in the same position for a lot of consecutive plays. You know, they'll play both sides and move guys into the slot. But particularly, you'll see Mike Evans line up on that left side. Deshaun Jackson plays a little bit more on that right side going up against Kyle Fuller over there. But on the offense's left side, it'll be primarily Mike Evans and he is obviously a you know a consistent thousand yard receiver, the number one receiver in this Tampa Bay offense. And yet, I still uh, question and actually wonder if that's actually the preferable matchup for Kevin Tolliver, just based on his skill set as a obviously a, a weak link, a vulnerable, undrafted rookie for agent cornerback. That Kevin Tolliver is six foot two. He's a long, physical cornerback who can play vertically fairly well. He's not particularly fluid when it comes to changing directions and and working, you know, kind of across the field. 
he's not very explosive, but you know has doesn't doesn't have elite long speed either, but is more uh, fast than quick in, in that sense that he can he can catch up a little bit better than he can make those quick movements. But again, he doesn't have top end long speed. And you know, one thing with him too is he can get a little bit grabby. So I would be on the lookout for potential defensive holding and defensive pass interference penalties in this game. Just just kind of something to keep an eye on. But he is good at fighting for the ball in the air and playing some of these contested catches. And so when you take his length and his ball skills and you know more of his vertical style game and physicality, that I think is better built to take on Mike Evans, you know, uh, a six foot five big bodied wide receiver than the more explosive Deshaun Jackson on the other side that, you know, you'll see this Buccaneers offense. They throw a lot of these, you know, go routes over the top, the nine routes, the fly routes, whatever you want to call them, the deep ball. They throw a deep, just run straight downfield. And I think Tolliver can keep up with that better than he can some of the more middle of the field crossing stuff. The Buccaneers also kind of pair that with some curls and some hitch routes, you know, just kind of underneath to take that space. And again, you're talking about this more straight line coverage that you're asking Tolliver to do, which I think is better from a matchup standpoint for him than, you know, trying to track a guy over the middle of the field and trying to deal with, you know, some some more of the horizontal passing plays. And certainly Deshaun Jackson is not a horizontal receiver at this point in his career. He is a vertical guy as well, but it's about it's about the speed with him and Evans is not going to outrun Kevin Tolliver down the field if, you know, if they're running step for step. I would be weary a little bit here of double moves coming up against Kevin Tolliver that, you know, if he's the young cornerback and he's going to try and jump her out, especially with, you know, the pass rush, uh, I'm weary of how that's going to play out. But I think in some sense, Mike Evans is the more favorable matchup for Kevin Tolliver's skill set. And that works out well for the Bears that could, you know, against another team, against other receivers, could be in more of a heap of trouble with with having to start this undrafted rookie free agent. I still am I'm not saying it's going to go well for the Bears. I mean, even though it fits Tolliver's skill set, Mike Evans is a very very good wide receiver and I think he's going to get the better of this young cornerback many times, but just from a, a potential situation standpoint, it's not as bad as it could be. And and I mean there's different ways to help out a guy like Tolliver. You know, the Bears they do run a lot of single deep safety stuff and they're probably going to run more too deep safety stuff to try and give him some help over top, but you're still going to see a lot of situations where Fangio has to go to his bread and butter coverages, you know, cover one man coverage with a, a single deep safety and, and cover three where Tolliver is responsible for a deep third of the field. And a lot of times is essentially playing one-on-one man coverage with Mike Evans. But I guess the one thing I would throw in there, I mean, A, the Bears do play some cover six more frequently than most teams, which is a two deep safety look with, you know, two cornerbacks on one side playing deep fourths and then, uh, well, two deep defenders on usually a safety and a cornerback on one side, each playing a fourth of the field. And then on the other side, a deep safety playing the half of the field. But they could also run some cloud coverages, particularly out of cover three. And, and what a cover three cloud coverage looks like is instead of having each of the cornerbacks take a deep third of the field with a single deep safety taking the middle of the field and the other safety playing underneath. What you have is 
the single deep safety goes to take one of the outside thirds of the field. And then your otherwise underneath safety steps back to take a deep middle of the field. And then your other cornerback takes the other deep third. So your third, your deep thirds of the field are taken up by both of your safeties and a cornerback. And it would allow a Kevin Tolliver to play underneath coverage that a, a safety might otherwise play on that side of the field in a regular cover three. The cloud coverage kind of brings that other safety deep over top. That's sort of why it's called the cloud. Like the safety is kind of that cloud over the top so that the, the cornerback in this situation, potentially Kevin Tolliver, can stay underneath and not jeopardize being beaten over the top in some of these one-on-one coverages. It's like the closest thing to being able to give safety help in a cover three because essentially Tolliver starts off on Evans and as soon as he goes deep, he passes him off to the safety over top. And, you know, there's just little things like that, little adjustments that you can make. It's not the kind of thing you run every single time. You don't want to be too predictable in that sense. But I think you'll see Fangio try and find some ways to help out Tolliver in coverage, but there's going to be times when it's third down and they need that undrafted rookie free agent cornerback to stick with Mike Evans one-on-one, and there's going to be times when it might work, and there's going to be times when it might not, but those are the situations that you, you try and limit, and those are the situations that Kevin Tolliver needs to step up. Speaking of stepping up, you might have noticed the Chicago Cubs has stepped up here in the last week, trying to maintain that slight division lead as the playoffs are just around the corner. The guys over at Locked On Cubs have been breaking it all down. Sean Sears is the host, and he also works a lot with Ryan Davis, going back and forth about everything that's going on with the Northside baseball team. One of the great ways the Locked On Podcast Network is your destination for Chicago sports coverage. We also have Locked On Bulls talking all things NBA offseason. They had Bobby Portis on a few weeks ago for a, a big event they did going bowling with him and everything, and they really keep it light and keep a lot of great NBA talk going through this offseason here. And the preseason for the Bulls is really just right around the corner, so keep up with all of your Chicago sports. Uh, White Sox still to be determined. We're, I know they're working on a White Sox podcast behind the scenes. It's coming. Sorry for everyone on the south side, but we've got Locked On Cubs. We've got Locked On Bulls. And of course, everyone loves Locked On Bears here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So as we prepare a game plan here for the Bears to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we just went pretty in-depth on what I think is the biggest weak point for the Bears defense and the most critical matchup with undrafted rookie free agent Kevin Tolliver going up against Mike Evans. But obviously this Buccaneers offense has a lot of weapons. Deshaun Jackson leads the NFL in deep receiving yards this season. He's been phenomenal taking the top off. And Chris Godwin is their number three receiver. Not really the slot guy, but just sort of their third option off the bench who still plays a lot on the outside. He can do a little bit of everything. You know, he's not the elite speed guy like Jackson. He's not the elite size guy like Mike Evans, but he is a a top-notch route runner and really wins all over the field, working outside, working over the middle, down the field. You know, any kind of route, he can go and win and, and really run it crisply. So he's a guy, if you haven't heard of Chris Godwin, I think you will by the time this Bears game is over. But, you know, there's there's little things you can kind of pick up watching this Buccaneers offense like for example you know Deshaun Jackson as big of a threat as he is 
he only plays, you know, about half of the snaps when he's been healthy this season. And when he is on the field, it is a strong indicator that the Buccaneers are passing. They hardly have used him on running plays. You'll see it be Godwin and Evans on the outside when they're going to the running game. They'll run occasionally with Deshaun Jackson in there, but I'm talking 80-plus percent of the time. Jackson's in the game. You know it's a pass. You know, there's little tendencies like that that the Bears should be able to pick up on. And and with Deshaun, you know, they it's it's not all vertical, but it's mostly, you know, your go routes, your corner routes, your post routes. They'll run, they'll run some deep outs with him as well, but certainly it is mostly down the field and you'll you'll almost never see him make a play over the middle he's he's an exclusively outside guy whereas Godwin works from the outside where he lines up but can make some more plays in the middle and you'll see him again play both outside wide receiver spots and I would think he is going to be even a tougher matchup for Tolliver than than Mike Evans which again sounds almost blasphemous but from a skill set standpoint Godwin is a a more difficult matchup that maybe more of a mismatch just from a, a skill set standpoint. Now, their slot guy is Adam Humphreys, and he plays quite a bit, actually, but he hasn't been a particularly big threat. You know, he does a lot of the quick stuff, the quick outs, the slants, the little underneath crossing routes, and, you know, he, he's more the check down guy when, when the deep ball isn't there. Uh, but he's not overly concerning from an offensive standpoint. But then the tight end, O.J. Howard, really adds a nice additional threat here sort of that bigger play downfield tight end and you know it's it's not just the middle of the field with him you know he'll run a lot of those deep crossing routes and you know those seam routes where he's he's running deep and kind of keeping the safety inside to create more space on the outside for you know one of the receivers one-on-one but he'll he'll run some of the deep outs as well I mean he's he is a legitimate downfield threat in the middle you know again as a tight end not an not an overwhelming speed guy but tough to bring down and I think we've seen people struggle to bring him down this season he's made a lot of plays after the catch even on those deep balls and he can be a little bit forgotten when you got a big Mike Evans on one side and the speedy Deshaun Jackson on the other side those guys take a lot of attention away and uh, OJ Howard has has taken advantage of that in the passing game now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is not particularly well-rounded this season you know the running back Peyton Barber just hasn't had a lot of room to work in the running game. And, you know, they drafted Ronald Jones in the second round, and he's got some potential here, and they're, they're trying to get him more involved. And I, I don't know how much of a difference he'll make just because the offensive line has struggled to create space. I mean, think about it like Jordan Howard in terms of just situation where Peyton Barber, you see him create a lot of yards after contact. You see him force missed tackles a lot and create those extra yards for himself. But too many of those runs, you know, they're, they're making contact with him at or behind the line of scrimmage or just within a couple yards. And, you know, they're trying to help him out. They, they put Howard in the backfield a little bit and some of the other tight ends. They'll get three tight ends on the field sometimes. You'll see some lead blocking from them. They don't have a fullback, but they will use the tight ends like a fullback. They'll run some of that split zone action with the tight end working back across the formation to try and create some movement there. But overall, uh, I don't think this this Buccaneers running game is all that much to worry about. I think the Bears will handle it just fine. And, you know, I think a lot of that is just on their offensive line. And that offensive line is, I think, also just spotty when it comes to pass protection. They've got two guys that 
I think are super underrated. The right tackle, Demar Dotson, and the left guard, Ali Marpet, are both two of the top five or ten players at their positions. And, you know, I think Dotson versus Khalil Mack is going to be a great matchup, particularly in the passing game. I don't think Dotson gets a lot going in the running game. Doesn't really move guys off the spot very well. And I think Mack is going to eat in the running game. But in the passing game, it's a little bit more like week one against Brian Bulaga, where you're still going to see Mack make the take the better of him and, and make some of these plays. But there's, there's going to be, a, it's not going to be a, a domination. You know, I think if, especially, you know, it, it's tough because the Buccaneers don't want to send too much help to Dotson because they've got an issue, particularly with this right guard, uh, Caleb Beninock. And that's where Akeem Hicks lines up the majority of the time, sort of that left side of the defensive line on the interior. And I think that that's a matchup that you're going to see Akeem Hicks win consistently in the ground game and the passing game, trying to get some of that interior pressure going. And then on the left side, Donovan Smith, their their left tackle, is a little bit vulnerable, particularly, I think, to inside pass rush moves. Because a lot of times what you'll see teams do is try and occupy uh, the left guard, Ali Marpet, with an inside pass rusher to isolate Donovan Smith one-on-one on the outside. And so you'll see people kind of set him up with some speed to the outside and then work back into the inside. I think that's what you got to see Leonard Floyd try and do. That The first couple pass rushes, you know, remind him that you're fast and try and beat him around the edge. And he'll probably he'll probably take you down and around the bottom of the pocket. And that, that's where he wants to go. But once you can set up that speed with an inside move, he is vulnerable in that way. And you can get your hands on him pretty well before he can. And I, I think you're going to see whoever lines up on that side enough, whether it's Aaron Lynch getting that inside move going, or certainly if they move Khalil Mack over there, that is a mismatch for sure. But it all is neutralized somewhat by Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, that he has been really solid under pressure. And I think for the Bears, you got to make sure your pressure counts. You know, it's one thing when you, you know, you push Donovan Smith back into Fitzpatrick, but he just can, you know, it moves him and it affects him, but he's able to still keep his eyes downfield and and make the throw. And I think what you have to do is hit him. You know, you have to get sacked. You can't just get pressure. He's the quarterback where you have to bring him down. You have to be particularly disruptive. It's not just pressure. It is extra disruptive pressure to try and actually affect this passing game. Because, you know, I think from a defensive standpoint, there's no need to try and get aggressive on a coverage standpoint that keep keep the plays in front of you and make the tackles. You know, looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick's touchdowns this year, he has 11 in three games. Five of them have been on passes of 20-plus yards in the air, and nine out of the 11 have gone 10-plus yards in the air. So they're not scoring touchdowns on, you know, after the catch or not on short plays and, and making these big plays after the catch. Certainly sometimes it's after the catch on a downfield throw when they burn you and they beat you. But this is a this is a, an offense that scores on these explosive plays over the top. So play off, you know, keep the plays in front of you, and then as, as you wrap up and tackle, you know, just don't don't allow them to get that explosive offense going and get those plays going and 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 really tire out your defense in that way. It's it's not, you know, the most complicated thing and it's not the easiest thing either but you know if you limit the big plays and and make them try and win a little more after the catch and a little bit more uh underneath then all you have to do is tackle and and make some plays and this Bears defense has done a pretty good job of that and and I think they can slow down this Fitz magic with 
again, effective, disruptive pass rush and keeping plays in front of you. Before we get to the Bears offense going up against this Buccaneers defense, just want to remind you about a couple things we do here with the Locked On Bears podcast. First of all, you should go out and go on Facebook and join the Locked On Bears group. It's a great place. We've been having a lot of great Bears discussion already. It's just it's just a group for listeners of this podcast and Bears fans to come together, join in the conversation a little bit. It's it's a direct line to me as well, and we just have even more daily Chicago Bears news and analysis there. And you can also join the conversation with the Locked On Bears voicemail and text line, particularly you know, during and after the game, if you have reactions, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a question, but you just need somewhere to vent about the offense or Trubisky or just rave about this defense and, and Khalil Mack, 312-620-8590 is the number to do so. And we take the best voicemails, the best text questions. We answer them on the air. We, we play your reactions, whatever it is. If you want to join the conversation, the Locked On Bears voicemail and text line is for you. Again, 312-620-8590. And of course, the Facebook group is just called the Locked On Bears group. And all you got to do is request to be added. And I'll make sure you're not a, a spam Russian bot trying to infiltrate our group. And I'll let you in and, and you can join in on the conversation. Lots of different ways to keep it locked on Locked On Bears. Let's install the final part of our Bears game plan here, looking at this Bears offense against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And I think this could be a week when you start to see things come together just a little bit more, that you're, you're going against uh, another vulnerable defense here. And particularly, I think they're not very complicated when it comes to how Mitchell Trubisky will see them and face them. They're not an exotic defense. They don't do a lot of different package stuff. It's 4-3 and then the nickel. And you're not, you don't really see a lot of dime. You don't see a lot of crazy looks. It's just, you know, the same linebackers. And, you know, they'll rotate defensive linemen a lot. And they'll get some defensive backs involved. But they rarely blitz those defensive backs. You know, they, they blitz a, a you know, a normal, I think slightly below average amount, but a healthy amount of blitz. But it's almost always linebackers. When you when they do blitz a defensive back, it's almost always uh, the rookie MJ Stewart out of the slot. And they have two rookie cornerbacks, but Stewart is the slot cornerback. And they'll rush him from the slot, but almost always it's just one of the linebackers, sometimes two, but it's they, they're not a, a when they do blitz, it's not an all out thing and it's not a heavy thing, but they just, you know, send a linebacker for a five man rush. So Maybe you'll see them try and break their tendencies a little bit and, and send some more looks at Trubisky because it seems like he's vulnerable. But, it, you know, this is a team, they, they just kind of blitz on first downs. You know, not a lot of these third down big blitzing situations. I think they prefer to be back in coverage and really make sure your quarterback has to beat them that way. And I, I think in some sense that's, that's more favorable for Mitchell Trubisky. From a coverage standpoint, too, I think Trubisky will find space to deliver these quick underneath throws. You know, the the Buccaneers run a lot of zone. I mean, they're, they're still mostly a single deep safety team, like I think most teams in the NFL run mostly cover three. But they are mostly this zone-based team. And, you know, they'll throw in a healthy amount of, like, cover four and cover six and some different stuff there. But, you know, when you see them come out with two deep safeties, 
that's typically an indicator that they're in zone. They don't run a lot of man with two deep safeties, and they just don't run a lot of man in general. So you'll see a lot of space from their cornerbacks on the outside, and I think they'll be willing to give Trubisky the underneath stuff that the the Buccaneers haven't contested or at least uh, haven't stopped a lot of curl routes, haven't stopped a lot of out routes, the, the underneath crossing. They're willing to kind of ma- let you make the catch and, and tackle you for minimal yards after the catch. And that, that's been a lot of what the Bears' offense has been, so I think the Buccaneers are going to be willing to let them have that. In terms of maybe trying to make some more plus plays down the field, I mean, these Buccaneers linebackers are not phenomenal tacklers, particularly Quan Alexander, and particularly in coverage as opposed to the running game. Like, if there was ever a week for Trey Burton to emerge... It's it's this one. You know, you saw another Eagles tight end, Zach Ertz, when the Eagles played, he ate them up for like 90 yards on 10 catches, really had a lot of room to work against their safeties and their linebackers. And Burton, obviously a former Eagles tight end in this similar offense. I mean, the, the pieces are here for this to be a big Trey Burton game over the middle. We'll see exactly how well that works out for Trubisky and trying to get this offense going, but there's some opportunity there. There's also probably some opportunity against Brent Grimes, the the veteran cornerback. He's 35 years old, made a season debut last week against the Steelers, and he was pretty vulnerable to Antonio Brown, which everyone is, and and Juju Smith-Schuster, and particularly think speed with those guys, speed down the field on the outside. You know, I know Brown is a little bit of an exception, but you can see when a th- why a 35-year-old cornerback might not be able to keep up with some deep speed down the sideline, which should should signal Taylor Gabriel might be getting some more shots down the field, particularly when he's matching up with Brent Grimes, which I believe, off the top of my head, I didn't write it, I didn't write it down, but I think he's on the right side of the defense, so the left side of the offense, but I... I should I should have written that down and known off the top of my head, but you're you're gonna see him stick to a side, and and that's where I would send Taylor Gabriel a lot of the time down the field. On the other side, it's Carlton Davis, the one of their other rookies, and you know he's been solid for a rookie. I believe he was a second round pick, if I remember correctly, uh, and so was MJ Stewart. They took two cornerbacks in that second round. Stewart in the slot, Davis is playing on the outside, and I think there's gonna be some free yardage there just for Allen Robinson to take that free space on the curl, on the quick out, you know, the little things, uh, maybe on some slants, just, you know, trying to take that free space that the Bears are seemingly happy to take. And, you know, like I said, that seems like favorable matchup for Mitchell Trubisky. I I think the same is true from a pass rush standpoint, that, you know, from a, a team standpoint, I don't think the Buccaneers pass rush is very good. It's not terrible, but it's just not very good. Like, Gerald McCoy on the interior, pretty solid getting after the quarterback, playing a lot over the right guard, so you'll see Kyle Long have to step up a little bit and and take him on. And then Jason Pierre-Paul rushes from the right side of the defense, the left side of the offense, so I think that Charles Leno matchup over there will also be critical. But where the Buccaneers' defense stands strong is in the running game, and it's it's about having a solid defensive line where JPP and McCoy and can can really kind of step up in that area. And, you know, I think their defensive backs get a little aggressive and aren't afraid 
to stick their heads in there and their noses in there and get dirty and try and at least redirect the running back. And they've got smart linebackers. Quan Alexander and, and Levante David in the nickel, they both do a pretty good job of sticking their nose in there and, again, making plays in the running game. I, I think the weak link in their front seven for this ground game is William Golston, their other defensive tackle, who will rotate with other guys, but he's kind of their primary other starter. And he tends to line up more on that right side of the defensive line, again, over the left guard, which is a more favorable matchup for Eric Cush. Again, maybe the running game weakness of the Bears' offensive line going against the running game weakness of the Buccaneers' defensive line. It's it's favorable in that sense for the Bears that it's not uh, a Bears' weakness going up against a, a Buccaneers' strength. So overall, this Buccaneers' defense is vulnerable. They're going to stop the run, but you got to stick with it. You gotta you gotta see if you can create some yards there and certainly keep the defense, you know, honest and and not too, you know, predictable from an offensive standpoint. And in the passing game, you gotta take what they give you. The Buccaneers are gonna give you yards. They're gonna let you move in between the twenties, but when you get to the red zone, you gotta execute. And that was the Bears' problem last week. They were able to get to the red zone a few different times and they settled for field goals a few times. They Trubisky got sacked out of out of the red zone and, and back into deeper field goal range that Parkey missed. And, you know, they, I think they're going to have trips to the red zone. They're going to have longer drives. They're going to sustain offense. And the key to keeping up if the Buccaneers are able to score quite a bit is executing down in the red zone. That's got to be the offensive game plan from a defensive standpoint. Like we said earlier, you got to keep the plays in front of you, tackle, don't allow the deep balls and try and be a little bit more disruptive with your pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick and just kind of do your thing in the running game because I don't think they're going to get anything going against this Bears front seven. That's our game plan for the Chicago Bears taking on these Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just like we do every Friday getting ready for these games. And then after we get to see the game and we can talk about it afterwards, we'll see exactly what parts of the game plan seemed to work out what the Bears did and didn't do and how that lined up with what we thought they should and shouldn't do. Because so far, I think we've been pretty pretty well uh, assessing what the opponents are going to do and what the Bears need to do, and they've had mixed results, I think, executing that, despite you know winning the last two games. I think you know some of their shortcomings and some of their struggles have come from not being able to fully take advantage of their opponents' strengths and weaknesses. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little bit something about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, about what the Chicago Bears are going to face this week. Like we talked about yesterday with James Yarko from Locked On Buccaneers, I'm not overly confident in the Bears pulling this one out. I think the Buccaneers provide the most challenging matchup they've had since Green Bay, and uh, presuming they get they, they face a healthy quarterback for four quarters, I, I think it's going to be tough for the Bears to keep up. But win, lose, hopefully not tie, we will be here after the game to break it all down right in your podcast feed Monday morning. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast listening app it is that you use. We're pretty much on everything at this point, and we appreciate with whatever you use. If you can leave a review of any kind, really helps us continue to grow the podcast. But almost more importantly is leave your review with your friends. Tell, tell a fellow Bears fan about Locked On Bears. Have them join the conversation with us and we can all have just a, a better football experience every Sunday. And really, I think that makes it much easier to bear down.